Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Pressing Journal. I'm Ryan Kyle. Today I'm joined by Callum Law, Andy Skinner, and Sean Wallace. How are we, people? Okay. Oh, right, thanks, thanks, Ryan. Hi. It's obviously been a week of uh, uncertainty at Aberdeen, it must be said, following the 2 0 loss to Hibs at Easter Road at the weekend. There were questions about Derek McInnes' future. Those appear to have been put to bed by Chairman Dave Cormack's statement last night, backing the manager. That'll obviously form the main part of today's podcast. Discussion over that will also get on to Ross County's 2-0 defeat at home to Dundee United. We'll discuss whether Cali Thistle will ever play a game again after another postponement. <laughs> and we'll talk about the lower leagues and the Highland Leagues and Highland League and whether those teams can um, expect to start soon, whether it'll be some of them, whether it'll be all of them. We'll get into it. Anyway, firstly, Dave Cormack last night standing by his manager. First of all, people... Did we expect that to be the case? I think we we probably did, yeah. Yeah, I would I would say so. I, I mean, there was there was growing speculation that Dave Cormack would pull the trigger and axe <laughs> and get rid of uh, McInnes. But I mean, in all reality, there's eleven games left in the season. Third still there for the taking. He's just signed three strikers. Less than a week ago, so I mean, it, it would be the wrong time, and it would be a, far too premature, in my opinion, to to make that move. And Cormac stuck by McInnes, and now at least it's taken away that uncertainty for the manager, for the players, and the supporters. And now all the focus can go on to the remainder of the season, and then perhaps, well, I'd imagine they would reassess it come the summer. Third has got to be the target. And I mean, if they do finish third, that is on the basis of the budgets of the clubs and the Premiership, where Aberdeen should be finishing. So is that a success? Probably. So I'm sure you'll be judged on that. I think a lot of, it quite surprised me, I think a lot of supporters, or certainly supporters you see on social media, seem to sort of you know, get their hopes up. And I know there's quite a lot of stuff swirling about on Sunday night, you know, people thinking that, change was coming but to me it was never something that was expected as Sean said Dave Cormack sanctioned the signing of three strikers on transfer deadline day regardless uh rightly or wrongly regardless of results in the next two games and performances in those two games you don't he wasn't then going to go and sack the manager you know a week after signing two strikers I do think the the frustration among the support is understandable, though. Third is still there for the taking, but they're on Aberdeen have been on, let's be honest, is truly woeful. And what probably makes it worse, in my opinion, is when you look at the struggles of Celtic. If Celtic and Rangers were 20 points clear of the rest in, in a right close title race, I think as bad as Aberdeen's runs been, people might look at it slightly differently, but make no mistake, this season has been, from where they were certainly earlier in the season as well in the football they were playing, a missed opportunity for Aberdeen to try and get into that second spot and put the pressure on Celtic. But the, the run they've been on the last couple of months has kind of ended their hopes of doing that, certainly. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. 
I like totally agree. I mean, it was only last week on this podcast. I was all upbeat saying seconds there for the take in. Confident they'll push for it with the three new signings. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> How ridiculous do I look? It was fantastic hearing that continually looped every time I went into the website as well. <laughs> <laughs> Andy. Just just in terms of the timing of it, I mean, obviously, third is clearly the, the target, um, you know, as a league position for the, the rest of this season. And, you know, if, if Dave Cormack was to have made the change, then, you know, that certainly wouldn't have guaranteed that the new manager was going to deliver that. It would have, you know, put incredible pressure on any manager coming in to take the reins for the rest of the season um, and, and beyond to, to try and meet that objective. So I think this statement has... You know, acknowledged the, the the recent poor run. Um, you know that that dialogue that's happened between chairman and manager has obviously addressed the the fact that the recent form hasn't been good enough. And you know, everyone can can now just look to to hope really that uh, you know this can have a galvanising effect on Aberdeen's form between now and the the end of the season. I think a main concern for me as well is not just the form, but the the fear that's been on show because Aberdeen have been terrible to watch in recent games. And it's obviously not good if you're an Aberdeen punter and you can't even get into the grounds because of the COVID and you're watching this on your laptop and it's just been terrible. The other thing I was going to mention in terms of, you know, speculating about a change of manager or whatever, is that right now, there's so much uncertainty within Scottish football, well, within the world generally, but within Scottish football as well, about all manner of things. And Dave Cormack's spoken about the financial difficulties Aberdeen have had, and I believe he's going to be providing another update uh, pretty soon. So I think as well, despite the run that the Dons have been on, with everything else that's going on, the last thing... Dave Cormack needs at this stage is to be trying to find another or making a change in the sort of upheaval of bringing in another manager. And now a lot of people listening to this will probably say, oh, that shouldn't matter, Ken, it's not been good enough, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, when they're so when the club's fighting so many other difficulties, as all the teams in Scotland and the world really are fighting changing manager, particularly at this stage of the season, isn't something he needs to be doing. I do think a more I mean it depends on how the season finishes, but I do think a perhaps review of things in greater depth in the summer may be a, a worthwhile exercise and if there was going to be a change, the summer may be the time to make it. But I mean it's interesting to see it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out because the Dons could still finish third and win the Scottish Cup and if I mean on current form it's maybe hard to see it but if that happens you know it's mainly rosy in the garden again I think everyone would uh, agree but by the same token they could finish fifth and not get into Europe and not win the Scottish Cup so then you know it's then I think that if that did happen the latter scenario that would be a failure this season for Aberdeen I think you could understand why uh, people would be calling for a change. If Aberdeen finished fifth, that would be seen as a, a woeful failure. But 
as Callum said, I mean, third is still there for the taking. And if the Scottish Cup isn't completed, I mean, that could third could bring European football beyond Christmas. If you get into the Europa League, then if you get pumped out of that, you're into the Conference League. So there's so much at stake. But, I mean, St Mirren, I know we said that last week, it's a must win, but if Aberdeen are to continue to push for third, they really have to take three points off St Mirren, especially with a trip to Parkhead Lumen midweek. I mean, Celtic aren't firing on all cylinders, but it's still going to be a very, very tough match. It should be emphasised. I think everyone's mentioned it to varying degrees, and we're, we're going to get on to the current performances in a moment. However, we are burying our heads in the sand. We do realise that for the last couple of seasons, maybe three seasons, things have at varying times gone a bit stale. There was obviously a big goalless run last time as well. Um, me, personally, as a fan, just to come back to a few things the guys have said, I, I do think the summer is the best time, mainly because what we're talking about. I've seen fans suggesting ditching McInnes this week, letting Barry Robson, who has no experience as a manager, take the job for the final six months of the season in the hope that that improves things before putting a permanent manager in place in the summer. I don't see how that would be a way to guarantee that performances got better as opposed to worse over the over the piece this term. Um, another argument I wanted to come back to that I thought uh, needed to be sort of <laughs> put to bed maybe was the people suggesting that loan players were only brought in in January as opposed to permanent signings because the chairman didn't have any trust in the manager. Um, when have Aberdeen ever made a raft of permanent signings, even at the peak of McInnes's, uh When everyone was behind McInnes, that, that still wasn't a thing that would happen. So I thought that was a very bizarre thing. And I, I just feel yeah. that now is the time that the fan base need to kind of pull together He's not going to go anywhere till the summer by the looks of things. I think unless things get really diabolical, of course, things can change. However, if the fan base doesn't pull together and toxicity continues, it's not good for the players. It's not good for the management to turn things around and secure that third place. Secure that European football, potentially group stage football after Christmas, things like that. So I was at Easter Road on Saturday. For me, the big issue, the big difference between the teams is that Aberdeen need to quickly develop a clear and concise attacking plan at the moment there it seems to be heavily reliant on people that are good players and have ability doing something special to break or to score a goal for Aberdeen or create a chance for Aberdeen as opposed to Hibs who as a team had the strategy of getting the ball to Martin Boyle running them behind pinpointing that was a weakness of Aberdeen's defence um do you guys agree do you think the problem at the moment is that there's maybe a bit of confusion. The players aren't really sure what they're they're doing. Yeah, but I agree with that. I mean, you've got guys like Marty Kennedy. I mean, he's basically playing more defensively. He's he's more concentrated on defending than he is on attacking, and that's to the detriment of his game. Yeah, I mean, Kennedy gets so much of the ball. But I think I think you pointed out previously, Ryan, that I mean he's pinging in crosses, but he's not getting into danger areas. So they're basically unless he's got this like David Beckham, they're not going to land where he wants them to. Same with Johnny Hayes; he's like left isolated, and you're not getting the same attacking prowess for, from him. And personally, I don't think the three at the back works anymore, and I think they look more rigid as a four. 
I mean, at Hibs, they were completely ripped apart by by that uh, by Boyle with the balls in behind. The back three should have been aware of those runs, but they just weren't for the second goal. I mean, Boyle was in in on goal before Ash Taylor was even aware that he was there. I think I think as well, I'll come on to Saturday in a second, but in terms of the the current run and the unhappiness, as much as the manager carries the can, I do think there's others at the club that have got to take their share of the blame. I mean, again, for a start, the players are under, for the the quality, certainly on paper, of the squad, the players are underperforming. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. And, I mean, you can argue why are they underperforming as management and coach and staff not getting the best out of them. You can throw all sorts of arguments at it, but the bottom line is the players are underperforming as well. I do also think Dave Cormack to an extent, has made a rod for his own back in terms of the fans wanting change with the promises that we've seen uh, in recent times of being a challenger club, playing entertaining football, and a lot of promises that he can't necessarily keep because he's the chair. he's the chairman, he's not the Manager, and I mean, you, you can say, well, he can make a change, but can these, the the hype, the expectation that was built up largely by Dave Cormack since he become chairman is now causing him a problem because of the, fa- the fans are calling on him to make change. Whereas if you, not to go over ancient history, but if you contrast it with when Stuart Milne was in charge, I know obviously different times pre-pandemic and everything, but... You didn't have the same bold statements and trying to sort of appease appease supporters or appeal to supporters in the same way. And I mean, at the time when these statements were made, we were probably all saying, oh, that's what the Don should be doing. But when you look at it now and with the way things are, it's coming back to cause a problem because supporters keep casting this up. In terms of Saturday and more generally their lack of creativity. I was having a look at it before we started recording this. Goals per game scored by Aberdeen in the league this season, the average is 1.14. That is by quite a distance the worst average of the Derek McInnes era. And it's it's like you look at and we'll watch games, you look at statistics after games, more possession, more passes, more crosses into the box, but there's just such a lack of cutting edge and somebody to you know unpick a defence. And even the cro- even last week against Livingston, the defeat in midweek, from dead ball and open play situations, twenty three crosses into the box. But how many of the deliveries overhit, hit the first man? Even when it you know crosses coming in, poor deliveries and disjointed passing and play and can too easy when confidence is low to for players to play back the way rather than try and do something and and cause the defence a problem. I think that that's the root of all the problems is just this distinct lack of creative spark. At least the at least the club have made moves to rectify that problem and 
like Ryan, I don't buy this uh, argument that's been put forward by some fans that it's 3-1 signings, the strikers, because Dave Cormack doesn't have faith in Derek McInnes. I mean, that uh, it was blatantly obvious that to make changes to a misfiring attack with only six goals from Cosgrove and Maine. But you don't get strikers in the January transfer window on a permanent deal that are A, scoring regularly and B, playing regularly unless you've got money to splash and Aberdeen didn't have money to splash. So the only other thing they could do was to go into the loan market. Something that they've used to great effect previously. Well, there have, there have been misfiring loan players, but I mean, you've got boys like Madison, players like that. So there has been success. And that was the only option. And they moved to bring in these three guys. And it would have been I'm not, probably reckless to ask McInnes just days after he'd been given the faith to take these three players in. Now he's got a bit of time to see what they can do and work with them. And hopefully they do bring out goals. Because when you look at the amount of penalties they've scored this season as well, the, the goals per game start probably drops below one, which is a major concern. The the issue of course of the strikers coming in is they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to score more goals than Cosgrove or Curtis Main were unless the chances are there. However, Callum, you talked about the crosses, things like that, and Sean mentioned it earlier. I do think part of the issue is the three at the back, because at the moment the guy, McInnes talked about getting more speed in the team, getting more attackers in the team, but it's useless having them in the team because the likes of Kennedy are having to run from their own corner flag. By the time by the time they get the ball up the pitch, the other team is set and they're either having to go backwards or they're having to play across from a position where, where it's, it's pointless playing across from because it's, it's such a hard, hard ball to deliver with accuracy from so far out. When, if they're playing four at the back and these players were actually just playing as wingers, Less is more sometimes in terms of having attackers in the pitch. Fullback gets the ball up to them quickly. They're able to beat the, their, their man, get to the byline, which if you look at the Hibs touch map, the Aberdeen Hibs touch map, there is like a very small proportion of Aberdeen's crosses are coming from that position near the byline, which is where the chances are going to come from. I just I just feel that what I would like to see against St Mirren at the weekend, don't know if you agree, but is just go back to four at the back see how it works, see if it gets things firing. And if it does, great. Forget about three at the back, continue with four. To me, well, what you've said there as well, Ryan, it's not just four, but certainly now that Scott Wright has left and Ryan Hedges is out for the season, there's a player who I th- who hasn't played much this season who I think Aberdeen, and De- who I think needs to be in the team to try and change this. And that player is Niall McGinn. Now, a lot of people have said, and I would agree with them, that he's not the player he was, and he's probably past his best, and he certainly is nearer the end of, end of his career than the start. But Niall McGinn is a player who's proven time and again over two spells with Aberdeen that he can unpick a defence. And he's maybe has lost a yard of pace, but I would like to, if, like to see him, if they go back to a four at the back, playing in a central role off the striker where he can pick up pockets a space and pick up the ball between defence and midfield and cause problems. Because I just think we've seen various combinations tried by Aberdeen 
various formations, lots of different things. But the one thing we haven't seen this season really has been McGinn consistently in the team with the opportunity to... He's had starts here and there, but I think we're at the point now, especially with the run that's been on, we've seen just about everything else. It's time for McGinn to see if he can conjure up some of the old magic. Okay. Obviously, at Easter Road at the weekend, Dylan McGeek came back for his first game since October. I thought he'd done, he'd done okay, um, given he played 60 minutes and he hadn't even had a sub-appearance since he'd been out injured. Uh, Connor McLennan obviously had the ignominy, is that the word? Um, of being subbed on for Greg Lee, who looks like he's going to be out for a while again with a hamstring injury, and then being subbed off again in what Derek McInnes called as a called a tactical change. But McLennan had played both right back and then had been moved in behind the striker. During his time in the pitch, Fraser Hornby again was pretty isolated, but won't hold that against him. We've discussed that perhaps a tactical change is needed there. St Mirren at the weekend, St Mirren are obviously um, top six at the moment. It's a big game in the sense that it's against a top six rival that could potentially be a threat in Aberdeen. Obviously, haven't had the greatest record against St Mirren this season already. However, it's also important because Livingston could be two points back by then if they win their game against Hamilton uh, tomorrow night, I believe. Um, Hibs will also be expected to win at County on Saturday, and you'd think Livingston have a good chance of beating Dundee United on Saturday, which means a draw could see the Dons drop to fifth. So, yeah, all <laughs> very important, shall we say. Yeah, Look on the bright side. Lots of ifs, buts and maybes in there, to be fair. But I, I think um, given, this could be Jim Goodwin's job interview, couldn't it, for the for the Dons position come the end of the season, if, if people are to be believed. Well, he was one of the names people were sort of bandying about. Did anyone like to offer any analysis and submit at all? <laughs> uh, good side, good manager, but... Can what what is that to say? Really, the way that the way the Dons are playing, they'll, I'd imagine they'll find it dif- difficult to break them down. But we'll we'll see. We'll maybe all be proved wrong with a a four or five goal performance or something next week. But we'll see. I think it'll I think it'll be tight. Whatever the outcome, there's your analysis. I've been impressed with what I've seen a seen Mirren so far this season. I think it's going to be a very difficult game and. For all people say that St Mirren are tough to break down, they also have goals in them. I mean, they've scored 10 in the last four games. So, I mean, if Aberdeen go behind early doors, it's going to be a nightmare for them. But hopefully that doesn't happen. All right. We'll move on then. Yeah, obviously, a big week ahead for the Dons. A little bit of, a, little bit of comfort now for Derek McInnes, but we'll... We'll see how things play out over the final 11 games. Next up, we'll discuss uh, Ross County, who lost 2-0 to Dundee United the weekend. Okay, Andy. It was um, it was a tight enough game by the looks of things, but two sort of pretty ropey moments of County defending ultimately settled it in Dingwall, didn't they? More or less, yeah. I mean, this this was a game that, uh, on the balance of play, County really should have taken something from. You know, where United vastly better than County on the day, not not really at all. Um, I mean, both sides had decent spells. United came out of the traps quite quickly at the at the beginning of the game, and um, it took a couple of good interventions from Ross Laidlaw to deny Lawrence Shankland, who was through on goal a couple of times. Um, Why was he throwing goal, Andy? 
Well, the <laughs> the first one was a, a bit of a, a fresh air shot from Leo Hjelde. Um Had a, a bit of a shocker with that one. Um, and then the second one, Peter Pollitt spotted the gap that had been left and um, presented a a nice dummy for uh, for Shanklin to go through on goal. So a couple of early warning signs that uh, that County had to take on board. And you know thereafter they they did quite well. They finished the first half strongly, and their best spell was at the beginning of the the second half. Um, good spells of pressure. Jordan White probably with the the best opportunity with a. A shot on the turn, which uh, just went wide. Billy Mackay was through on goal a couple of times as well. But as you touched on, the goals that they lost were the the difference in this game, and and that's what settled a, a you know an, on balance a very tight game, which is pretty inexplicable. Um, the first one came from County's own corner, um, and they were countered with uh, within seconds by by United. Um, I mean, it was clever. Striking play from Lawrence Shanklin to find space inside the box, but uh, it was a bit, a bit standoffish really from from a few of the the county defenders. And I suppose the a goal that probably might not have happened if someone had taken one for the team further up the field as well. Um, so a very preventable opening goal, and then the second one, just a a common theme that's been creeping into the county's defending in recent weeks. Another set piece, another corner. This time, uh, Callum Morris losing his uh, his man Ryan Edwards, and uh, and that goal settled it. Really, County didn't really offer too much in the in the latter stages by way of a, a late fight back that they'd shown in their previous game against Hamilton, and um, ends up being a, a costly result because they had a real chance to rein in Dundee United with with a victory at Dingwall on Saturday. Um, they could have narrowed the gap to two points. United had been without a a victory in eight games, so the pressure was on Mickey Mellon going into this one. But you know that that win now opens up a, an eight-point gap, and with St Mirren also another one of the, the teams that picked up points, St Johnson as well at, at the weekend. The you know the teams that County are in and around just now are are reducing. You know there's there's less and less of them. It's really Kilmarnock, Motherwell, County, and obviously Hamilton below them that that are in that relegation dogfight as we stand just now um, and all of those teams have got games in hand on County so you know the the need for consistency and stringing together a couple of back-to-back wins is really staring them in the face um, in, in a bid to try and get out of this uh, dogfight the, uh, they, they haven't recorded back-to-back wins since the, the opening two weekends of the season and you know missing a, another opportunity to do it at the weekend, off the back of their win against Hamilton, just goes down as a another missed opportunity, really. Uh, Andy, is there a feeling that Ross County are maybe a bit fragile or a bit brittle if they lose the first goal? I know they obviously came back well down at Hamilton, but it was interesting watching the highlights of the game and also reading John Hughes's comments. I thought that he said once they went behind, they sort of stopped playing the way they had been and the way that it had been created chances and they sort of were chasing the game, if you like, more than more than he wanted and sort of abandoned what they had been doing well a wee bit. Do you think it's maybe a wee bit of sort of, you know, when they lose the, the first goal, the fragility of sort of, oh, here we go, you know, we've got to sort of can chase this a bit 
kind of unduly because I mean there was still twenty five minutes left when they fell one nil down at the weekend. Yeah, um, I mean it certainly shouldn't have been the case, uh, as you pointed out. They were fresh from a, a you know fantastic turnaround against Hamilton, so you know with the um, you know the knowledge that they had the ability to 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 turn it around in that fashion. You know they they should have been inspired by by that fight back. Um, you know once they fell a goal behind on on Saturday, they just never really got got going after they they went a goal behind. Um, I mean, to look at other matches, it's tended to be that they've they've actually squandered a winning position in in recent home games. I'm I'm looking at the the St Johnson game where they were a, a goal up early on and conceded a, a penalty. Um, Motherwell was the most recent one prior to the the United game where they took an early lead and then lost the game with uh, two second half Motherwell goals. Um, so there, I guess there's been different different ways that they've. They found to lose games in in recent weeks, but um, no, certainly just a, a lack of spark once they uh, went a goal behind, and um, again, it was a, a game that that had been tight and in the balance, which uh, you know they they just were left to rue some some decent opportunities um, where they could have really ramped up the pressure on United. Uh, you know, that just goes down as a as an opportunity missed. Given they've got Hibs um, in Dingwall on Saturday, Andy, and I think the rest of the month is Selic and then St Mirren, um, possibly. Do you think, how many how many of those games do you think they need to take points from um, if they're going to have any chance? Because it is it is getting to the stage now where I, I think probably they need to be getting unexpected points as well as beating the teams that are in and around them, possibly if they're going to have a hope. Getting out of this because it's looking it's looking grim. Aye, I think they can go into this home double header maybe with, I mean, low expectation as to what you know they're they're going to be judged on in terms of their season. But I think they can, I mean, they can look to try and take points. I mean, they've beaten both Hibs and Celtic this season, albeit both away from home. But I mean, the home form has been a real issue. It's you know we've talked about the. How, how much of a difference the lack of fans makes, but you know the home form still is looked upon as being the foundation for any team's success, and you know making Dingwall a, a place that teams don't relish coming up to to play at, and you know they've only had two home wins this season, which uh, you know it hasn't been a, a great basis for them to to really kick on. Um, Hibs again, they've had a, a good record; they've they've not conceded a goal against Hibs this season. But you know, with their form just now, since the the League Cup semi final, you know they're going to be coming up against a really confident side that's looking to try and you know extend that gap in third place. Um, Celtic the following week look to have picked up a wee bit in terms of their domestic form. So I, I mean, I, it, it's not a double header that you would really go into and say you know they they should be picking up uh, a certain amount of points because it's. Uh, you know, it's not games that they're expected to to pick anything up from. But as as you rightly say, you know they they probably do need to spring in a, a couple of upset results here and there. And just looking at what Hamilton did against Rangers on Sunday is kind of the the blueprint for that. I would say uh, they just need to to have these days, which they've they've shown that they're capable of. To be fair, you know, with results against Hibs, Aberdeen, Celtic within the last couple of months, 
County have shown that they they do have big performances in them, but again, it's just this um, this dogfight that they're in doesn't you know look particularly uh, you know appealing as a, a place to be just now when County have got just ten games left. You know, it's a it's a ten game season now, and the bulk of these games will be against the teams in and around them. So um, they need to get a, a, a lot better at, at converting these these games into into victories against their their rivals down at that bottom end of the table. I suppose the, the you know the the one thing that will encourage John Hughes, although it didn't click into play on Saturday, is the the goals that are starting to to show in the the forward area. Um, you know, with Jordan White and Billy Mackay both coming off the bench to to score against Hamilton, um, and Ollie Shaw having been in good form as well. There's uh, you know there's front men that are looking you know, confident just now. I know it didn't happen for them on, on Saturday, but, you know, the if you've got your goal scorers on, on decent form and chipping in with goals, then, you know, it, it certainly gives them a, a fighting chance. It's not as if they're uh, kind of going into games wondering where the, the goals are going to come from, as uh, as we've maybe touched on with, with Aberdeen. But, um, no, it's it's a big period coming up. There's There's no question. The the one point I was going to make about Ross County and the league table, and Andy sort of said most of their remaining games will be against teams around them. I think, and you probably see it most seasons, well, we didn't last season because the season was cut short, but most seasons after the split, the bottom six is usually pretty tight and there can usually be quite a lot of change in terms of the league table because obviously it's all can the sides round about one another playing each other and sort of taking points off each other. So I think as much as Ross County need to start getting results to get out of trouble, I think you've always, regardless of how they go into it really, I think you've always got a chance of doing something post-split because you're playing the teams around you and because if you could say when I don't know, win three of the five games post split or something, it could can lift you significantly. The other factor, I suppose, looking at some of the other teams is I mean, Ross County obviously made the change in December. Um they put their, their faith in John Hughes to to oversee the, the job of keeping them in the league. And you know, in relative terms that was actually quite a, an early stage to do that, which gave him the whole January transfer window to implement his style. But uh if you look at Motherwell and Kilmarnock, who are also down there, they've they've since followed suit. So um, we've seen decent kind of reaction from uh, from Motherwell in terms of Graham Alexander coming in. He's he's picked up a few good results. Obviously, Tommy Wright's now come in at Kilmarnock, and although he's not got a transfer window to um, to operate in, he's you know you would more than likely think he will have a. You know, a galvanising effect on on Kelly, given his track record at St Johnston. So, um, you know, it's it's shaping up to be a, a you know a pretty tight contest, as you say, Callum. I th- think it's probably destined to go down to the wire, and um, County just need to to keep themselves hanging in there. But uh, again, pick up these these key results um, and and try and string them together with a bit more consistency. Before we leave the North, Andrew, um, do you? Um, Inverness pieces of news. First of all, they've obviously added uh, Looney, or former Looney, Anthony McDonald. He's returned 
the both side of the midfield. I think he was with Cordoba in Spain, very exotic. Um, he's obviously played for Cali before. He's played for Hearts in the Premiership. Um, do you think he'll be a good addition? And second of all, do you think um, Cali Thistle will get their games against Alua and Morton played this week, or will it be two more postponements? <laughs> uh, to summarise, to begin with, yes and no. Um, I think Anthony McDonald will be a, a, a really good addition. He's a player that, that joined um, on loan during the 2018-19 season um, on, on loan from Hearts. Wasn't able to play in their Scottish Cup run that season. They got to the semi-finals and played Hearts, which um, he was a bit gutted to miss out on, on that semi-final on that occasion. But uh, he he made a, a good impact in the team, scored a wonderful goal down at Morton, a, a big mazy run from the halfway line, which... Is probably the, the moment he's best remembered for during that spell. Um, he's still only 19 now, so that, that kind of tells you how young he was back then, just a 17-year-old lad. But, you know, all things considered, he's had a, a good amount of experience, um, even from his time at Hearts. He was in and around their first team at a, a young age, um, had a, another loan spell at Dunfermline last season, which I think injury kind of inhibited a wee bit, um, and then tried to... Um, to make a fresh start of things over in Spain in the summer, which obviously hasn't worked out. I mean, we've not had the chance to speak to Anthony yet, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll be disappointed that that, that didn't go to plan. But um, no, just a, a an exciting player who's at a, a very good age, similar to Kai Kennedy, who was with Inverness previously this season. Um, who you know, you'll you'll think will have a, a bit of a, a point to prove and just offers them a, another good option in that, that forward area. He, he could be involved against Alawa if the game goes ahead. I'm not too certain that will will go ahead. The, the I mean, the, the forecast in Inverness over the next 24 hours or so is largely below zero degrees Celsius. It's uh, I think the covers are down on the park as we speak just now. And they can withhold temperatures of as low as minus three, I think. So uh, I think it is forecast to drop below that, particularly overnight tonight. So um, I, I don't think there's much chance of a, a thaw, but um, I'm sure they'll they'll be hopeful of giving it the best chance it can get. But they do have a couple of home games quickly after this, um, if, if it does fall by the wayside again. Um, they're at home to, to Morton on Saturday and then Queen of the South next midweek. So, um, you know, they'll they'll still look upon this next 10 days or so as being a, a good opportunity to try and string some momentum together, which has clearly been something they've lacked. Um, they've picked up a couple of points and they're, they're only two games that they've played away from home against Morton and Arbroath. But uh, it's wins that they need, really, because, I mean, if tomorrow's game does go ahead... Alloa could actually move level with Inverness uh, with a, a victory. Alloa sitting bottom just now, so that kind of just shows you how how much Inverness have tailed off in terms of their league position as they try and kind of claw back on the on the the playoff spots. But the the games in hand do give them the opportunity to play catch up, and they've had lengthy runs like this before, where they've played two three times a week due to a raft of postponements caused by bad winters in the Highlands so um, I'm sure they won't be getting too panicked by it yet but 
no, the, the need is certainly there for them to to get back to winning ways. Just quickly, I was going to say, and it's kind of state stating the obvious, given what Andy said. But what concerns me for Inverness is this backlog that they've got, because I mean they're operating with a pretty tight squad, and if you have a bit of bad luck with injuries and you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, or Saturday, Wednesday, week after week after week, it can cause you real problems, and that so that would be my. Uh, worry from Inverness, an Inverness perspective but I suppose on the flip side you know we know money's tight for everyone and the difficulties clubs are having that they've man- found a way to, to bring in Anthony McDonald to at least bolster John Robertson's squad a little bit That's uh, with the run that they'll have coming up that can only be a good thing I would I, would, I suppose Alright, well we shall move on to the final section of this week's podcast which will concern the latest about the lower leagues. Okay, so we recorded this section earlier on, and it was originally about leagues one and two being expected to get the green light to return tomorrow, return from February 15th with games a couple of weeks after. However, between recording and releasing the episode, Solid's Law, the SFA announced the Scottish government had not given permission for the restart and that football activities below the Championship will not return now until at least March 1st. Is that date correct, Callum? March 1st's the, the next update, but realistically, you're talking about probably, you know, even if this give the green light on March 1st, you could be talking, you know, another week before the start training, potentially, or and then two or three weeks before games, possibly. I mean, that all remains to be seen, but March 1st's the next update, apparently. We discussed all the conditions which have been proposed by League One and League Two clubs, like testing and no coach travel, and how they would, in practicality, prevent the, the Highland League from restarting because of the financial implications for them to adopt similar measures. We also discussed what will happen to this season's Scottish Cup now, given Highland and Lowland League sides are still involved, whether they need to carry out testing just for their cup ties or whether they'd be given their prize money early to exit the competition. Of course, the news about Leagues 1 and League 2 means it's now much harder to see a way forward for the Scottish Cup um, at the moment for the rest of the season. Um, what's the reaction been like, Callum, from the lower leagues and Highland League this afternoon? Uh, mixed, I think I would say. I mean, in the starting with the Highland League, first of all, Ryan... Speaking to Rod Houston, the secretary, earlier this afternoon, he sort of said that to him and I think to the league as a whole, the extension hadn't come as a massive surprise, really. Even though, you know, the numbers in terms of COVID infections and whatever else are sort of going in the right direction, things don't seem to, you know, be progressing as far or decreasing as much as they would like. So that wasn't really... A shock. I mean, the the big thing in the Highland League at the moment is people are obviously saying, you know, how can the season be completed? Will it be completed? Can the time the timings of it looks tight? But Rod's view in it uh, is that right now they can't see this. They can't say the season will be finished, but they also can't say the season won't be finished because there's far too many, uh, as he said, and he's probably the best word for it, imponderables in terms of how they go about things. Because all right now, all of the decisions 
are out of the Highland League's hands, really, because it's come from the SFA and the Scottish Government, so there's nothing they could do. If on March the 1st, the SFA and the Scottish Government say you can go and start training from today or tomorrow or whenever the date may be, here's the set of conditions that clubs need to follow, then the Highland League will know what it's able to do because they'll see whether testing is required because that's obviously potentially a big stumbling block. But once the until a date is given for a return to training and a return to games, whatever the conditions attached to it, it's very difficult for the Highland League to really know what will happen because, as Rod also said to me, they don't know how long, until the restart and there's a clearer picture, they don't know how long they'll get to complete the season because if they were starting in mid-March and they were told by the end of April you need to have a champion declared to be in the pyramid playoffs, that may be very difficult because the, the time probably wouldn't be there. But it could be that the season, we've seen it in the past because inclement weather, 2017-18 actually, the season can be has been extended to allow for the playoffs and to allow for the regular league seasons to be finished. So that could potentially still be on the table. Uh, going into Leagues 1 and 2, um, one person I spoke to this afternoon, Jim McAnally, the Peter Head manager, his gripe uh, that he has really about this call is that the League 1 and 2 clubs submitted their return to playing document that they came together to come up with and they basically said that they would be willing to conduct weekly COVID tests and they were going to go above and beyond what had really been expected of them previously to get back to playing. But that has still not been enough in the eyes of the Scottish government to allow them to return. So Jim was basically saying that uh, he doesn't understand how the Premiership and Championship can be allowed to continue to carry on with testing but leagues one and two and any further down can't restart with testing because as he said and I'm inclined and I would agree with him as well we've heard I mean from the SFA and from the government and from people at premiership clubs for example for much of this season about the bubble set up and you know how it's so safe and everything like that by testing the part-time clubs were basically um prepared to get as close to a, a bubble as they could, but it's still not been enough. So it's, I think, for quite a few, for quite a number of people in the lower leagues, it'll be a bit of a, a kick in the teeth, really, to see that the sort of what they were prepared to do still isn't enough. So in that sense, it's, I think, in leagues one and two, it's harder to know what might happen next and how the season might be completed because right now it's 27 game seasons, Ryan. And I mean, if it's a mid-March resumption, unless there's an extension to the season, a 27 game season isn't being completed. It could be reduced to 18 potentially. Well, that wouldn't be a great surprise, I don't think. But it's all, all of these things at the moment are, are very much up in the air. On t- in terms of the Scottish Cup... I, I think it's very hard to see now how it can be completed this season without. I mean, Hamden being used for the Euros, it's a long way down the line, but Hamden being used for the Euros in the summer is another 
stumbling block because the final can't be moved back beyond May the 8th, we're told. But with so many second-round ties still to be played and Leagues 1, 2 and the Highland League all still shut down, it's hard to see how it can be completed without being carried over into next season. Uh, so what we've uh, has been mentioned previously about, you know, Highland League sides, for example, potentially, you know, being basically paid to depart the competition. I think that's probably off the table for the time being because uh, they do, you'd have to do that with, with League One and two clubs as well, potentially, if you wanted to resume the Highland League, the Scottish Cup now. So I think it would basically descend into farce, really, if you, you did that. The other option, of course, would potentially be to just null and void it, which, I mean, it's hard as well to see that happening, but at the same time, there's no title sponsor this year or this season, which perhaps would make the, the SFA's job slightly easier were it to come to that. But you do obviously have the TV companies and BBC Scotland and Premier Sports who uh, I would imagine wouldn't be very pleased if the competition was null and voided. But I think that's pro- the Scottish Cup is probably now the, the biggest uh uh, or what? Another elephant in the room, if you like, in terms of all this, because it's just getting harder and harder to see how it can be finished this season. Okay, so it's set up to be a very interesting few days. That concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. If you like what you've heard, you can like and subscribe in your favourite podcast app. With any questions, you can email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. Thanks to Callum, Sean, and Andy for joining me today. Thanks, guys. No bother. Pleasure. Thanks very much. And finally, enjoy whichever game you're streaming this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.